0: This is Optimal Relationships Daily, Episode 1181, Nine Important Strategies for Raising Children in a World of Technology, by Joshua Becker of BecomingMinimalist.com. Hello, everybody, and happy Friday. I am your host and narrator, Greg Audino, and thanks a lot for joining me here on ORD for another episode, another parenting post this time around. We'll be hearing from Joshua Becker today of Becoming Minimalist. And in this article, he'll be tackling the subject of technology and how many parents now aren't quite sure how to facilitate the relationship between their children and tech. So let's see what ideas he has for parents as we optimize your life. Nine Important Strategies for Raising Children in a World of Technology by Joshua Becker of BecomingMinimalist.com Quote, we refuse to turn off our computers, turn off our phone, log off Facebook, and just sit in silence, because in those moments, we might actually have to face up to who we really are. End quote. That's by Jefferson Bethke. Recently, Alison Slater Tate wrote an important article in the Washington Post, Parenting as a Gen Xer, We're the First Generation of Parents in the Age of I Everything. Allison articulates and draws attention to a unique struggle facing our generation of parents, namely, how to raise children in an age of technology. She sums up our current challenge like this. My generation, it seems, had the last of the truly low-tech childhoods, and now we are among the first of the truly high-tech parents. When it comes to parenting, I find this middle place extremely uncomfortable because I know what childhood and adolescence were like before the internet, but all my parenting models came from that era. Technology wins the prize for being the trickiest parenting challenge I've faced. Parents today know the decisions we make for our kids concerning technology are important, but entirely without context. Our conversations on the sidelines at soccer games about these issues are never based on proven experience, like when I was a kid, my mom used to dot dot dot. Instead, it's based on guesswork and the little wisdom we've gained. Well, this is what we've decided to do. What about you guys? Allison summarizes it well. Quote, what we are doing is unprecedented. No study yet knows exactly what this I childhood will look like when our children are full-grown people. End quote. There are no proven answers to the questions we're asking. That's what makes this so difficult. Well, that and the fact that even the questions are changing at an alarming rate. But a conversation about technology addiction is one we should be having. Not because we will all choose to parent the same, but because there is wisdom in numbers. And the more intentionality we apply to our parenting, the better. I would like to start. My children are both teenagers. Here are nine important strategies we've sought to implement raising children in an age of technology. Number one. Technology is not discouraged in our home. Technology, it appears, is going to be around for quite a while. Our kids will need the skills in the future. They already do in the present. Parenting is not about shielding our children from the tools of the world, but equipping them to use those tools properly. We should be active and intentional in teaching them how to use technology effectively and to its fullest potential. In practical terms, this means both of my children received iPods on their 7th birthday, and they will receive phones on their 13th. Number 2. Moderation is encouraged and modeled. While we know very little about the future of technology and how it might look, we do have ample study on the effects of screen time on kids. Studies have shown that excessive media use can lead to attention problems, school difficulties, sleep and eating disorders, and obesity. Most recently, the American Academy of Pediatrics recommends television and other entertainment media should be avoided entirely for infants and children under age 2. For older kids, quote, to help them make wise media choices, parents should monitor their media diet for both duration and content, end quote. We have adopted a similar philosophy to the one mentioned by Allison, who said, quote, we make the children sit in public places when they are on devices or laptops. We look over shoulders, we check text message histories, and set parental controls. We worry about their cyber footprints. End quote. Number three, age restrictions on technology are an appropriate guideline. The minimum age for Facebook and Instagram is 13 years old. We're not allowing our kids to have accounts on those networks or others before the minimum age limit is reached. While some kids under the age of 13 may be mature enough to use those networks wisely, there is a bigger issue at play honesty. When we allow our children to misrepresent their age or identity solely for the purpose of gaining access, we set a dangerous precedent. Number 4. Technology is changing the way we relate to one another. But face-to-face conversation is still important in the present and will likely be important in the future. Technology is permanently changing the way we communicate. Whether it's for the better or not remains to be seen. Older generations will argue technology is destroying conversation. Younger generations will argue technology is enhancing it. Only time will tell. But either way, our children will forever live in a world where their immediate elders, their parents, respect and expect verbal conversation. Future generations may value it less, but in the meantime, for our children to be successful in communicating with older generations, they must be able to communicate both online and in person. We should create safe opportunities where they can learn. Number five, technology increases opportunity for distraction. From leaving present conversations, procrastinating important work, or losing the ability to self reflect, technology represents an ever present temptation to leave difficult places. Those who will succeed in the future will be the ones who learn to overcome this temptation. Number six, technology can be used for consumption or creation. Choose creation whenever possible. This is perhaps one of the most important distinctions concerning technology that we can teach our children. We can play video games, or we can create them. We can browse Facebook, or we can create places and communities that serve a purpose. There is a place in our world for technological consumption, but as an approach to life, creation trumps consumption every day. Help your children know the difference. Number seven, Your self-worth cannot be calculated by likes and shares and retweets. The praise of others is a fickle thing upon which to measure our worth. It is a foolish, ever-changing target. It often negatively impacts the decisions we make and the life we choose to live, but it never fully satisfies our hearts or our souls. It's important for our kids to understand their self-worth must be found elsewhere, and it is equally important for us as adults to learn the same. Number 8. You can't believe everything you see on the internet. The internet could use more fact-checkers, though I'm not overly concerned about this. My elementary-age kids already debate whether Wikipedia is a reliable source for group projects. Far more damaging, in my opinion, are the profiles we create representing ourselves online. We post our most glorious moments online, but hide the most painful. We build a facade of happiness, success, and an image of having it all together, but inside... We're as lost and broken as the next person. Our online selves need more authenticity, and our children need to know the danger of comparing themselves to the rose-colored profiles created on social media. Number 9. Technology serves a purpose. It should solve problems. Purchasing technology purely for the sake of owning technology is a fool's gold, and has run countless others into great debt. When it comes to buying or using technology, I want my children to be routinely asking the question, what problem does it solve? Because technology should make our lives easier and more efficient. And if a new technology is not solving an existing problem, it's only adding to them. Parenting requires a healthy balance of humility and fierce resolve. You just listened to the post titled, Nine Important Strategies for Raising Children in a World of Technology Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. And many thanks to Joshua for encouraging parents and all of us, really, uh, to take a second look at technology and how to approach it. I really love this material. I love a lot of it, especially the quality over quantity factor, I think is my favorite. So let's make sure our kids are creating new and inclusive communities on Facebook rather than just browsing aimlessly, I believe he said. So this kind of notion stands to really open us up to a whole new perception of social media technology, uh, all of which is frankly an inevitable part of the future. There is no backtracking. So whether you grew up around tech or not, it's in our best interest now to look for new ways of thinking like this. Thoughts about how we can use tech for good and befriend it as opposed to erasing it or convincing ourselves that it's ruining the world. Doing so will improve a lot of our lives and what we're capable of and can also help to pivot some of our suspicions about technology. Uh, Again, like destroying the world, taking it over for the worse. I know I've fallen victim to that kind of thinking in the past, but it is ultimately fear-based and speculative, uh, which we are not trying to do here. At least I'm not. So, some things to think about. I'll let you get to it, because we are done for the day. Really grateful you showed up once again, and hopefully we will share this episode. Thanks for being here and making all this possible, guys. It really means a lot. And if you'd like, we will be back again tomorrow with one of our Saturday Q&As. I'd love to see you there too, as we take a question about toxic relationships. That's where your optimal life awaits.